God, we gather this morning, um, just those words, oh, come to the altar and your invitation for us to come and to worship you, for us to come and sing praises to you, to sing truth to you. Father, we have gathered to, to learn, to fellowship, to sing. Lord, I pray that you would be honored and glorified the rest of this morning, and that we would humbly present ourselves to you. We ask you to do a deep work in our heart, to change us, to open our minds and our hearts, to see what you want us to see. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good morning. Welcome, and welcome to those who are joining us online, and welcome to Traditions. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Ecclesiastes 3, verses 9 through 14. Ecclesiastes 3, 9 through 14. That's in the Old Testament. It might take you a second to kind of find that book. Not a familiar book to, to many of us. We don't turn there often. Ecclesiastes 3, 9 through 14. In 1996, can you remember 1996? Some of you weren't even born in 1996, but maybe you can think back to that time frame. I met Drew. He was a student in my youth group here at Bethel Church, and he was the oldest son of Pastor Jim Pearson. Maybe you, that name rings a bell if you've been at Bethel for a while. In the fall of 97, he moved away to Fort Wayne, Indiana. And at the age of 16, he started working at a golf course and quickly got recognized by the owner for his incredible hard work, friendly personality, and, and his great character. In 2003, he graduated from Taylor University in Indiana, and in May of that same year, he was married. And he immediately went to work full-time, and it wasn't long before he became the manager at a very young age. The owner of a golf club purchased another golf course in southwest Florida and immediately offered you the position of general manager at the age of 25 years old. So he and his wife moved to southwest Florida and Drew poured himself into his new job at the rate of 60 plus hours a week. And the course, the golf course flourished with 500 members, a ranking of 4.5 out of 5 in Golf Digest. Drew did a phenomenal job as the GM. On a Sunday evening at 10 p.m., his wife gave birth to their, to their first baby and they were so excited. What a day of, of celebration. His mom, Linda, had flown down to be with them to see them and to be with them and to see her first grandbaby. The next morning, Drew left the hospital and headed home to get ready for the day. And just minutes from his home, Drew accidentally ran his SUV into the back of a dump truck and was killed instantly. At the age of 27, he was married, just about to finish his MBA, was living a dream as the GM of a well-known golf club and just became a proud father. And in a flash, Drew's life was over. And I remember uh, receiving that phone call. I was living in uh, Iowa at the time, and it forced me to wrestle with all kinds of questions, as death does, but it's that, those questions of why am I here and why was I born and what am I living for? And those life questions have baffled man for thousands of years. For nearly 4,000 years now, man has lived his life assuming that his purpose and his meaning in life 
can be found within self. Adam and Eve, let's go back to the beginning for a second, had a much broader view of life, at least in the beginning, that is until the fall. The two of them walked freely in the Garden of Eden, enjoying one another and enjoying all that God had created. Their purpose was God and, and to glorify him. And all they knew was good. They knew no evil. They were to live in perfect relationship with God forever and ever. Then along came Satan suggesting God was limiting their potential and was keeping them from, from their greater purpose that they couldn't see. And his question could have gone something like this. Do you really think that this is all there is to life? And the evil one who is just as alive today and just as active today as he was back then is what I would call a green beret, so to speak. The best of the best when it comes to causing doubt and when it comes to causing confusion in our lives. His goal for Adam and Eve and for us is to get us into such a state of confusion that all we know how to do is to find purpose and meaning in this life by looking at life from a limited perspective just to make it through another day. In other words, to deal with what's happening today. And we're so focused on what's happening today. And he said to them in the garden, your eyes will be open." You will see things from a much broader perspective. God has limited you. There's so much more for you to know. So much more for you to have. And your eyes will be opened and you will finally be able to see. The three things he used to lure Eve and eventually Adam. Physical satisfaction, the stomach, fleshly satisfaction, the eye, worldly satisfaction, wisdom. And Adam and Eve were, were fine until they took their eyes completely off of God and entertained this notion that there must be something more that I don't have. In a matter of seconds, man's perspective went from God's view, and that's all they knew, and his purpose for life, to a man's view and his purpose for life. And the fall clouded man's ability to see life from an eternal perspective. I want to talk to you this morning about two perspectives that are found in Ecclesiastes 3. And the first one is living in reality for reality. And it's verses 9 and 10. It says this, What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. So he begins with this question, What do workers gain from their toil? I've seen this burden that God has laid on them. What do people really get for all of their hard work? Good question, Solomon, right? The, the average life expectancy in America is 900 months or 27,375 days or 657,000 hours or 39,420,000 minutes or 2,365,200,000 seconds. And, and when you put it like that, it sounds like a lot of time and during those, those 39 million minutes, most people will have eaten 82,000 meals and gone to bed 27,000 times. How many of those years and months and days do you suppose that we live deliberately and on purpose? 
How intentional are we being with the years and the months and the days and the hours and the seconds that God has granted us here when we're here on this earth? To be honest, it's humbling to think that I am probably only intentional and deliberate about what I am doing a small percentage of the time. And the rest I live by accident or by just following the course of the day wherever it takes me as though I'm just on this sightseeing tour that I can't get off of. I wake up every day, day after day, and I go to bed day after day, many times having done nothing intentional other than just get through the day. Just another day of sightseeing, rolling with the punches. God did not give us life so that we could live it for ourselves. He gave us life to live deliberately, intentional, on purpose, for his glory. Let's begin to sense an incredible urgency in our hearts and minds, knowing that we only have so many minutes in this life to become nothing and to make God everything. I want God to appear as great and mighty as I possibly can portray him with my life when I leave this earth. I want to be done with my minutes knowing that I lived an intentional, on-purpose life. Solomon, the author of this book, was a teacher, and his area of expertise was wisdom. So if you'd have signed up for a class back then, Solomon would have been the most renowned teacher in the field of wisdom. Known as the wisest man to ever live. So I encourage you to read through the book of Ecclesiastes. The wisest man to ever live. We pick up books all the time, don't we? And we're like, this person's really smart. I'm going to read their book. Read through the book of Ecclesiastes. The wisest man to ever live begins the book of Ecclesiastes with an honest evaluation of life. And this is how he begins, if you're not familiar with it. This is how he starts. Meaningless. Meaningless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. All things are wearisome. What is twisted cannot be straightened. What is lacking is without measure. That's how he starts. And in order for us to fully understand his perspective and his evaluation of life, we need to have a better understanding of what was going on in the life of Solomon prior to these verses. His life was for the most part, behind him. And he begins reflecting upon the span between his birth and now his soon death. And he begins dissecting life and discovers something quite profound as he's in this reflective mode. Everything has limits. And man is only capable of so much and ultimately all of life outside of God is meaningless. That was the conclusion that he was coming to. He was clearly being reflective and allowed his readers to take a peek into what he was pondering. As you read the first few chapters of the book of Ecclesiastes, you begin to get a picture of, of Solomon's life and his thought-provoking perspectives. And so now we come to chapter 3, verse 9. We begin with a question what do we gain from all of our hard work? What real good, what solid pleasure is derived from all of the labors of man? Listen to this. We only labor through life. 
when we insist on living it apart from God. To understand why life can be so laborsome, we have to go back to Adam and Eve again in the garden. Your eyes will be open and you will finally be able to see the three things, remember, that he used to lure Eve and Adam. Physical satisfaction, fleshly satisfaction, worldly satisfaction. So our lack of physical, fleshly, and worldly satisfaction causes us to labor through this life thinking that there must be more in each one of those areas. It can be our love for money, the pursuit of pleasure, and a restless ambition. A lifetime spent on the pursuit of those things will leave us at the end of this life pondering the question, did I waste my life? In verse 10, Solomon speaks of the burden God has placed on men. And that word burden means task. As he looks back over his life, it has become clear the tasks that God has put upon man. Treadmills are an interesting piece of exercise equipment. You exert a lot of energy to increase your heart rate and sweat like a pig, and you go nowhere. It's tiring, it's hard work, it's flat-out exhausting, a lot of running and chasing, but no movement, a little bit like life here on earth. Solomon begins by raising an interesting question that many of us don't really like to take the time to ponder. And then he points out the obvious God has placed a burden upon us. The burden of responsibility and tasks to accomplish his purposes and his will. If we approach life apart from God, life will be much like a treadmill. And in the end, we'll ask the question, all for what? What was all this for? What have I gained? We live in reality, the here and now. Everything around us is as real as real can be. We cannot close our eyes and make it all go away. We cannot close our eyes and disappear. This is where we live. We have no choice. We've been created by God to live in the here and now. It's when we live in reality for reality, we find ourselves wandering, chasing our tail, seeking purpose and meaning, unable to answer the question, why am I here? We find purpose and we find direction, we find meaning in life when we learn to live in reality, but not for It's when we learn to live in the here and now, but not for the here and now. Secondly, living in reality, not for reality, verses 11, and then we'll, we'll continue on. Verse 11 says this, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. The first part of verse 11, we say God is so big. We say God is so powerful. We say he's, he's so majestic. He's so tantalizing. We say this world is way too big for us, and yet we're all guilty of living like God cannot satisfy us. 
while man thinks in terms of years here on this earth and months and weeks and days, God thinks in terms of eternity. He has a whole different perspective. So for a second, we have to go back to where we started. I want you to imagine for something, ah, this rope here, and you'll see, I think you can see the red end of this rope. And I want you to imagine for a second that this is your life. This little piece right here is your life. This represents the 900 months the average person spends here on this earth. Because we tend to live in reality for reality, our lives are naturally focused on the here and now. We make everything about this. And it represents things like work and entertainment and activities and making meals and cleaning and running kids around and exercise and education and shopping and spending time with God and the latest news and social media and running errands. And we get so wrapped up. You didn't think that there could be that many things in that little itty-bitty piece, did you? We get so wrapped up in this life. We make it all about this. We hear things like in Scripture, life is like the dew that's on the ground in the morning and by noon it's gone. That's how long life is, Scripture points out. Or as for man, his days are like the grass and when the wind has passed over it, it's no more. Poof, it's over, it's gone. Simply to say that life is like a blink of an eye. To God... Shift our focus for a second. Our life is much more than the 39,420,000 minutes here in this earth. Man can search and toil all day, every day, and will never find what he's looking for. You'll never find what you're looking for here because the scripture says that God has set eternity in the hearts of man. Please don't hear me say that the here and now and living in the moment are not important. Of course they are. They're very important. But how much more important is it to be present and to live in the moment, to not miss life when we're viewing it from an eternal perspective? 1 John 2.17 says this, this world is fading away along with everything that it craves. But if you do the will of God, you will live forever. Today, right now, today, it really matters. Especially when eternity matters most. The second part of verse 11, when I say the word eternity, or whenever you hear the word eternity, like me, you probably think of heaven or you think of hell, of which both are eternal destinations, right? When we say eternity. When you think of eternity, you probably think about living with God in heaven if you're a believer forever and ever and ever. But as the title says for the message, eternity is not a place. Though we regularly associate it with a place. Eternity is a period of time that cannot be defined because it's forever. Eternity is in the past, and eternity is in the future. I want to stretch your thinking for just a moment. 
What if I told you that you are living in eternity right now? Now, before you burn me at the stake and cause, say that I'm heretical, I want you to hear me out. I didn't say heaven. I said eternity. There will be many things that change when we leave this earth and we enter into the presence of God. We will change our location. In other words, our address will be changed. True believers will leave this earth and enter a place called heaven where we will spend the rest of eternity. We will leave this body and receive glorified bodies and so on and so forth. Because eternity is not a place, it cannot change. Our position will change, but our eternal timeline will never change. You're already on it. Solomon writes here, he has also set eternity in the hearts of men. Okay, I need a volunteer. Any volunteer. We're not moving on until I get a volunteer. All right, thank you. Jordan, will you take that? Take your life there in your hand. And I want you just to start slowly walking down the aisle, and hopefully this will work. Yeah. Let's keep going. He has set eternity in the hearts of men. What that tells us is that we were created for eternity and not for reality. We were created to last forever. We will never end. Are you getting that perspective yet? You can stop at the doors when you get there. Thank you. That's great. That's almost perfect amount. Would you take a second and just, Jordan, can you hold that up back there? I'm sorry. So it's in the air. Just take a second. I want you to maybe fix your eyes here and then just run your eyes all along that rope, clear to the back, and just see if you can see. Can you still see your life? What that tells us, friends, is that we were created for eternity and not for reality. Not for the here and now. We were created to last forever. When you were created by God, you entered into eternity, an undefined period of time, meaning from the moment that God created you, at that very moment, you started a life of forever. Every person is eternal because God has set eternity in the hearts of men, the scripture says. So now what? Why does that even matter? Because we must begin to think eternally, live eternally, act eternally now with that mindset. Misery is the result of living from a reality point of view, not an eternal point of view. Knowing that I was not created for earth or for reality in the here and now, has really got me thinking. For a moment, think about your life from an eternal perspective with me. Can you do that? I must 
make my life count, that little itty-bitty piece at the end of the rope. I must be intentional about what I'm doing with the days that I have here on this earth. My decision-making matters. My thoughts matter. My behaviors matter. My priorities matter. My values matter. My relationships matter. Words matter. Everything matters in light of eternity, this eternal timeline that we're on. In verse 12, he goes on, he says, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken from it. God does it so that people, listen to this, will fear him. So while we live in reality, when we live in the here and now, we do not live for reality. I'm going to give you about 20 seconds of silence just to ponder that. I want you to think of your life. I want you to think of this rope as eternity. How would your life change when you consider life from that perspective? What would change? A car is built to last maybe 10 years. A house, maybe 100 years. You, on the other hand, God created you to last forever. And we get so wrapped up in the few minutes that we have here on this earth. When we begin to think and live from an eternal perspective, things change. Suddenly making a name for ourselves no longer all that important. Status really not worth as much, power, ridiculous, prestige, laughed at. When we grasp an eternal perspective, our lives become like a horse heading back to the barn. While man is finite, God is infinite. While man has some power, God is omnipotent. While man has limited wisdom and knowledge, God is omniscient. Man is bound by time and place. God is omnipresent. So I close the message, and then I'll give you the one thing, but I close the message with these three words. Maybe you've heard this at a funeral, but I say it to you in reference to life. Keep your fork. The best is yet to come. Live for eternity now. Let me leave you with this one thing. It's a scripture, Psalm 39, 4 says this. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. Father, I pray that this morning, looking at the scripture that Solomon, the words that he penned, the wisest man to ever live, 
and you've given us the opportunity and the, uh, the privilege to be able to, to peek in on his life, but also his words, and just be reminded that you have set eternity in our hearts, that you created us to last forever. And we make our life all about literally the few minutes and the few hours and the few weeks that we have on earth in comparison forever. God, I pray that you would just really cause us to wrestle even this day, even now, even during this last song, even as we leave this place. Am I so wrapped up in this life? Am I allowing this life to so affect me that I've lost perspective? Awaken us to that reality, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.